Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 215th uh, episode of Real Hawk Talk, fresh off a win against the uh, now-hated Denver Broncos more than ever before, and uh, looking forward to the uh, probably more hated 49ers. So uh, a lot of stuff to talk about today, very exciting. Uh, unfortunately, Brian is not here with us today. Uh, still alive, just not able to join the pod. Uh, but we have uh, Dana O'Gorman. Dana, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm even better. So I worked at the hospital today and I walked in nine o'clock, just walking in on my normal day. And I come around the corner and people start cheering. Yeah, Dana. And I was like, what the hell is going on? I was the conquering hero. I'm telling you, they were so happy. These Chiefs fans were so happy we beat the Broncos. They love Geno Smith. They love the defense. It's the greatest team ever. And I'm like, until we play Christmas Eve. But I'll take you for now. It really kind of gave my day a fun little boost. I was like, thanks, guys. Uh, and Evan, I, I hear you have not fully recovered from the uh, the Monday night game. Yeah, I just, guys, I think I'm getting old. Like the, the, the physical wear and tear that rooting for the Seahawks takes on your body. I almost feel like I, I played in Monday night's game, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I feel like I tore muscles. My calves hurt. Um, yeah, but but a win is a win. I'll take it. I'll take a win and feeling shitty. And uh, we got another crazy game that we'll be previewing tonight, this weekend. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot for Seahawks fans for the next couple of weeks. Jeff. How are you feeling about rooting for the uh, number one in the AFC or NFC West Seahawks these days? <laughs> it's been pretty crazy. Uh, I, I told a few of you during the offseason, I can't remember a time in like the last five, seven years where I've been off Twitter more just because of how much I was dreading the conversation around this team. The last three days, I have not been able to get off there. I've been in like heaven. Uh, just the, like the tears of the Broncos media and the Seahawks fans and, all the, like, the chatter around the team has been – if they start performing a little differently, I might go back to my stance, but it's been fun. I've had a really good time for the first time in a while. I have not dreaded anything Seahawks-related all week, which makes – I haven't tweeted something like that out today. I couldn't be more in line with him. 
Is there a game, not to cut you off, Nathan, is there a game that you guys enjoyed more as a fan in the last, let's say going back to like the 2018 season? So that was after the Legion of Boom was gone, pretty much. Was there a game from 2018 to now over the last four or five years that you guys enjoyed more? I would guess that you would have to go back to a 2015 game. One of those games where Russ just kind of went berserk yeah. to, to find a game. But even then, I don't know. I am reminded that we beat the Niners last year in a game that caused me great joy. But I think that comes into number two for me. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't think that game was even close to any game last year, even the Niners games. I think what made this game so much fun, to be honest with you, was the fact that there was no stress for me. But I mean, I was, I had anxiety. I, you guys all know how I, I explained how I felt about it. You know, I watched it here and there. I watched the replay, but honestly, it was like, it was only stressful because of what was going on with the media. I could have cared less in the game. The game itself was so fun to watch. Um, but honestly, even though I was dreading the situation of the game, it just was like, a nice surprise every time something good happened you're like holy shit how'd that happen you know we were just so surprised by it which made it a lot of fun i will say not really so much a game but the the brief uh let russ cook moment that we had in 2020 right yeah those games were awesome yeah not just the games but like zach whitman zach whitman uh getting an espn spot and uh, cashman getting cut out of that espn spot was pretty funny uh <laughs> so there was a moment of hype and uh, enjoyment around obviously let russ cook has a whole different feel to it these days but uh so yeah so i mean i i agree jeff like uh, uh all of Twitter has been pretty awesome for the last couple of days since the game, all, especially right after the game when people were really on on it and putting out all their best tweets and seeing Trey Young tweet stuff and like just the the whole nation for a moment was united and having a lot of fun with that game. Uh, the discourse has soured over since since that night. A lot of folks. Uh, really surprised by Seattle's reaction to Russell Wilson and the booing. Um, A lot of folks very uh, judgmental and uh, disappointed, I think, in Seattle fans, um, which I pretty much agree. I think Dana's eye roll there sums it all up from my perspective. But, um, you know, I guess, does anyone have a problem with how, with, with him getting booed and his reception um you know Jeff yeah what was your reaction to that and did did you think that that should have been different or I was surprised he didn't get cheered a little more but no I I cannot say overall that like uh, the reaction nationally to this like I saw one writer in San Francisco call it like embarrassing unbelievable to me that's absurd like if you follow the story at all and if you're a Seahawks fan like how can you not be emotional towards Russell in that sense just right now Listen, Evans tweeted out a lot of times, like it's understanding why he did what he did. But at the end of the day, we all root for the Seahawks. That's why we do the show. So we're going to probably side with them. And at the end of the day, like to go in and if you follow this at all, to not expect that reaction to me is just mind blowing and it's almost oblivious. So I, I have not understood the reaction at all. And it's almost like people want to get their egos involved and they just want to use it as a way to backhand take a shot at the Seahawks or the fans. But to me, it's been absurd. Can I just read out this? Sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to read out this tweet from Colin Coward on uh, on Monday. It was sent at 5.26 p.m. Okay, so Pacific time, right, right when the game was starting. He says, Seahawks fan, and I'm quoting, Seahawks fans booing, embarrassing should stand in admiration and silence when Russell Wilson has the football. Fuck off, Colin Cowherd. That is bullshit. That is bullshit. I've been tweeting for several weeks that, like, boo him during the game. That was always my stance, and, and, uh, you know, that changed a little bit, I think, as the emotions got heavy towards the game. But Russell Wilson is not the second coming of Jesus. He's not a messiah. He's not a fucking god. Yeah, he's an iconic Seattle sports player over the past decade. But we are not gonna stand in reverence when he has the when he has the ball on offense. 
competing against our football team. Like Jeff said, we are all Seahawks fans before we are Russell Wilson fans. At least the people on the show are. No matter how much I rooted for Russell Wilson, loved Russell Wilson, I fell in love with Russell Wilson because I was a Seahawks fan first. I just want to say that take was absolute fucking bullshit. And I've and I've and I've I've liked a lot of what Colin has said over the past decade, frankly. So I, I'm I'm a little bit of a Colin fan here, but that's bullshit. And that 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 take was absolutely ridiculous to me. I'm sorry, I had to call that out. Yeah, I mean, Colin's a professional troll, so <laughs> I don't know what you expect there. But I mean, I will say when he got booed during when when the video of him got booed during the storm game that i didn't love that that was yeah kind of see, that's that's different like he's not actually there i mean but for the game i you know denver fans and denver folks have been like oh this was seattle super bowl like yeah probably <laughs> like it was it was an important game and we wanted to win and seahawks fans laid it all out there um so I, I yeah i didn't have a problem with the booing or any of that reaction either i know some fans really meant it in a mean-spirited way there are definitely some anti-rust folks out there uh dana what were your thoughts on it well i had kind of two schools of thought on it first of all i i feel like people much what jeff said people weren't paying attention to the story if they had paid attention to the story they would realize that there's that this divorce was messy and it had been going on for years and they had been fighting for their children, which in the fans, you know? And so it's like, I get that. Um, and I know that a lot of people, they take this stuff so personally, but I think what really it came down to was that the 12s, and I know that not everyone likes that term, but I'm going to use it. The 12s in the stadium remembered their job and they remembered that when they are at their best, they are the next player on the field. And so it was almost like they needed that bolt. It's like, okay, our team might not be very good this year. We're going to do everything we can to make them better. And we're going to remind everybody on national television, this is who we are. And I will tell you that, yeah, it sucks that it was Russ, but if that was Tom Brady out there, people would be patting us on the damn back. It just drives me crazy because they think that we should be, you know, so like thankful to Russell Wilson. We are, and we will thank him when he retires. We will thank him when he goes into the hall. We will thank him when he goes in the real, into the ring of honor, but I'm not going to thank him when he's in a different uniform on our field. That is not the way it works. Yeah. I agree yeah. with the storm thing. I agree with that very much. Yeah, that was cringe. Uh, that was cringe. And that was bad. And see, he's not going anywhere. He still has a school here. He's still part owner of the Sounders. I mean, he's not gonna, he's still gonna be in Seattle unless he completely bails and sells everything, which I mean that could be happen. But I just really think that people forgot that we are team fans. We are Russell Wilson fans as a quarterback, but he's no longer our quarterback and we are a fan of this team. And I think some got that. I don't know if you guys watched Joe Thomas's refrigerator talk. I don't know if you guys watched that. It's hilarious. But he called it the 12 stone cold killers. He's like, I don't know. Everyone, I, I kept reading online that I was supposed to be mad and that they booed him. And I'm like, am I mad? No, I'm not mad. They're, they're stone cold killers. That's what they do. And I freaking loved it. And I think but then RG3's comments of, you guys are disrespectful. He brought you so much to this team. No, he didn't. The team did. And he was a part of the team. And we thank him for it. And we will thank him again later. But not when he's on a different uniform on our field. It's not how it works. Yeah. And the context just matters so much. Because, like, when the Rams come, I'm like, are you going to boo Bobby? Like, I don't know. I don't have any anger or animosity towards Bobby. I don't know. I think if that's I would different. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean, but it's, mm -hmm. I think the context and the story matters, and mm -hmm. as much as I do love Russell as a player, there are just things about him that bother me, and just mm -hmm. seeing the, the other, all the players come together, and, and that's been very, very telling, so it's kind of fun to root against him, just because of how he is and his personality, so I think the context is just different, but yeah, but the quote of Colin Coward, I know all of Mark Rogers' allies in the media were getting very, very pissy. I saw Jason Lackenfora getting his hands all tied. By the way, he doesn't work for CBS anymore. I learned that today when I was getting annoyed with one of his tweets. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> some of the reaction has been nuts. Mm -hmm. And I, I have one with the Russell's press conference. I don't know if you guys went and watched it right after the game. And they asked him about the booing. And, and I talked to Josh about this when we did our field goals interview yesterday. You know, do we think it got to him? I don't know. 
I agree with Josh and I'm not sure that anything gets to him. He's got that armored steel, you know, out exterior, but I thought it would have been so good. I'm like, oh my God, if he had had one second to think about it when they asked him about it, instead of being like, oh, they love me and then they hate me, but I only play for God. And that was his quote. He could have said, well, I know that that's what the twelves do. If he would have given any nod to them that they had been disrupted. human. I get it. But just imagine the impact that would have had on the twelves. This would have been an entirely different conversation. That's, that's, yeah. I do. I do think it got to him. He, that was not normal Russ face. And I don't know if it was the fans or the moment. I mean, you know, playing the Seahawks, but in mile high might've been very different, but being back in that stadium again and, and just everything. Uh, or, you know, I, I think this was kind of crappy on Pete and the team's part, but it, it had to have not felt good to see several teammates line up on the other former teammates line up on the other side right and, and cheer their hearts out for, to beat him so you know a lot of things were in play there uh and i do think it affected his play i i think it affected him mentally and uh, probably extended to his play and so but that's just like at least from a fan perspective i think more reason to have booed him like again we want the seahawks to win games and i mean broncos media and fans have been weird as hell leading up to this so like beyond whatever people feel about Russ like I probably would have been a lot more conflicted about this game if I didn't have Broncos mention uh, Broncos fans in my mentions for a week just being (laughs) fucking weirdos just weirdos uh so yeah I I don't know um any last thoughts Uh, I think this is it we we will not talk about Russ again so I, I really think we're over. We're, we're, we're over it. We're past it. There's no real reason to come up. I'm sure it will. He's, you know, a really good quarterback and everything, but any last Russell Wilson thoughts for at least hopefully a couple of weeks, anything that anyone wants to share here, Dana, you want to wish him the best. And yeah, I, I wish him the best and I hope he stays healthy. I mean, seriously, that's all you can do, you know, wish him the best and hope he stays healthy. And to be honest with you, I hope he beats the chiefs once because Denver Bronco fans will forget all about Seattle. If that happens. So, all right, so Seattle just beat Russell Wilson. <laughs> right back to it. Uh, and, I mean, there's a lot of kind of conflicting thoughts about that Bronco team. Um, some people think they'll be lucky to finish third. Uh, I think that's a little extreme. But I think they're a good football team. Um, they should have a reasonable expectation to make, make the playoffs. And, you know, a lot of people coming into this game and into the season – have been really down on the Seahawks, like uniquely terrible. Like some morons are out there picking them to only win two games in the whole season. Uh, so <laughs> does this game change anything about what you think the Seahawks team is and what the season will be uh, for no particular reason? Evan, do you have any thoughts on, uh, will this change your opinion on the the success of the team? Um, It, it really doesn't and I'm, I'm really not trying to be a buzzkill here um like you said this was seattle's super bowl this is this was the most expensive game to attend all year long the most hyped up game all year long um it was more than just football it, it was emotional it was it was legacy it was generational um i still think seattle uh is in the bottom half of the league when it comes to roster talent um, I think the Jamal Adams injury uh, really hurts. Um, there's some areas of the defense that they need to they need to fix, particularly around their run defense. Tackling still seems to be really inconsistent. One of the most infuriating parts of Monday night's game. But I think um, seeing you, Nathan, tell me that the Seahawks are going to start four and zero, five and zero, gives me a little bit of hope, unrealistic hope maybe that maybe I'm completely wrong and maybe that's the case. Um, but I do think Geno Smith will probably come back down to reality a little bit. Uh, I don't think he's going to keep up that level of play all year long. Jeff, is Geno Smith's fool's gold? He passed. He didn't pass for 200 yards. They passed. He passed for 30 yards in the second half. He didn't. They scored 17 points in the game. Are people overreacting to his performance? Um, I don't think so. I think like some of the stuff he did in the first half going like basically perfect and that was a little shocking to see him that in command and that accurate and that gun under pressure 
which has been an issue for him. I don't know if that will sustain, but if there's been a crew on Twitter and a crew who's been very pro Gino and some of the things he can do. And a lot of things he did well are things that they've talked about. And Griff, who's been on our show before, and Steven Ruiz and Greg Rosenthal, guys like that. He's, I think he's better quarterback than a lot of us think. And he, he's looked some bad at times in the past and he does have limitations. We saw in the second half, he didn't step up away from sacks and there wasn't a lot of playmaking. I don't think there was a single deep throw other than the, the touchdown to the tight end of Parkinson. But I think more or less that's, I don't know if he'll be as good as he was at the beginning, but I think in like the complete package, I think more or less that's what he can be with an offense that's designed around him. And if he gets a run game and if he gets pass protected, because he's got like all three tight, I, like, all three tight ends are pretty solid. The receivers are pretty solid. The running game's there. The, to me, it was more worrying about if the pass protection could hold up. And I don't think it's that crazy yet. The Niners might be the best defense in the NFL this year. So that will be a really telling matchup. So this week might be a bit of a drop off, but I think over to the hall, I think this is sort of what he could be in this offense. Dana, you are supposed to be our resident optimist, but when we did the predictions for this team, I picked them to win more games than you, the resident pessimist or realist, as I like to say. And that was before I even joined Trey on the uh, the playoff train. Uh, does this game change anything for you? Um, it does a little bit. If you remember back when I was talking on the prediction show, I said there were going to be a lot of close games and I didn't know that if Gino had enough to bump Seattle over, I still think that's going to be the case. But what he showed me in this game is I didn't know if he could step up to the moment of it. I thought he might be a little overwhelmed by the moment of it. And he didn't, he came out blazing and his attitude was to prove something. And I don't know, I didn't know if he had that in him. So that might makes me now think that some of those close games, maybe we can count on him to bump Seattle up over the top of those closer games. So I predicted five wins. I've been saying five to seven. I, I wouldn't be surprised prize if that was closer to seven. Do I still think that they're going to come out blazing? No, the, the NFC West is just too tough. No matter what, the, no matter what the, the standings say right now, the, this division is very good. Um, and so I, I think this is still going to be really tough on them, but I have a lot more faith in him that he can actually kind of comes up to the moment and, and maybe, maybe take us over the edge of those, those closer games. So here is Seattle's upcoming schedule. Um, and just looking at a, a random power rankings here. Uh, so Seattle is playing the Niners this coming week. Uh, and this locked on NFL uh, power ranking has the Niners ranked 15th. And then they play the Falcons, who are ranked 31st. The Lions ranked 26th. The Saints ranked 11th. And then the Cardinals, who are ranked 21st, just one spot ahead of Seattle where they have them at 22. Uh, we already know Evan thinks they're going to win this game. So Evan is expecting them to start at least 2-0 and on the season. Uh, <laughs> but how unreasonable would it be for this team to start out 4-2 and or 5-1 and with that next few set of games? Does anyone think that's... Does anyone other than me think that that is likely? Jeff, what do you think they go over the next few games considering... Falcons, Lions, Cardinals looked rough. Niners disappointed. Yeah, I think I don't know if they'll go five and one, but after watching the first set, I don't know if you all watched on Sunday, watching like the opening set of games. There are a lot more bad teams and bad quarterbacks than I had realized. We talked about this year and how a lot of it was tanking and setting up. When I was watching that first, they would have been the 10 a.m. games for you guys in Seattle, but. I was just mesmerized by how many, um, almost everyone was on the team Nathan mentioned, like Jared Goff and Mariota and Jameis. And these guys are not that all different from Gino. And we all, I think Nathan made that point a lot of a lot of the summer when we were talking about just tanking for quarterbacks and just watching that set of games in Washington that once came around in the end. But there's a lot of teams who are going to be looking at quarterback upgrades and basically we're, we're playing all of them. And Arizona has Kyler and we're still in Lance's, but I put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago about a list of teams to like fade this year. And Arizona was number one on my list and they look God awful. They don't have Hopkins. Their roster just looks, and they were missing and their defense is awful. So, Do you think Cliff survives the year? No, I don't either. I think Cliff's terrible. Yeah. I don't know if he'll get fired mid season, 
Yeah, I, he's not going to be here next year. No, they can't keep going with this thing. All I got to say is for this upcoming weekend, I saw a lot of Niner fans telling me that they sucked because it was raining in Chicago. But somehow Justin Fields was able to play okay in the exact same conditions. But I'll have you, I'll have you, uh, I'll give you a fun fact. Look at the weather slated for Sunday in Santa Clara. It's hard rain. It's going to be hard rain. So I'm just letting you know, we can't use that excuse twice, twice in a row. You only get that excuse once. I'm just telling Niner fans right now, you cannot use it two weeks in a row. Illegal. Did you know that no team in the 17-game season era has made the playoffs after starting 0-2? Just another fun fact for Niners fans out there. Uh, okay, Dana, <clears throat> we were we uh, we did a very impromptu impromptu uh, uh, agenda setting um, before this, uh, and you threw out uh, Nuosu getting uh, he got what conference player defensive player of the week. He did. Uh, why don't you uh, throw some shine on Nuosu for us? You know, here's the thing. We we talked. I mean, we got together every week. We talked about this player and that player. We talked about the rookies. Nuoso didn't come up very often, you know, except for when Brian was bashing on him after he didn't play well in one of the preseason games, which was true. He didn't, right? I want to know where the hell that came from. It was like crazy. And the guy's not that old. For some reason in my head, I'm thinking he's like 30 plus or he's not at all. And he was just seemed hell bent to prove something this weekend. And I loved it. I loved it felt. And I said this earlier this week, this felt like a Seattle game. This felt like a Seahawks game and how um, aggressive that defense was. And honest to God, he was the leader of it. You know, I'm kind of sad Brian's not here. So we can't make him eat his words on Cody Barton just a little bit, (laughs) but at the same time, I I think that it's, but yeah, I said Barton, like, yeah, he was up and down, but he did some really good things in that game. But to add what you're saying, say, yeah, uh-huh. I think you made good points there. And I think really that whole game was sort of a testament to their offseason. And we've all ripped this front office for the last six or seven years. And honestly, rightfully so. They've been downright terrible. Even some of the, even the draft picks, 2019, Collier and Blair, like, that was god-awful. But Nolosu is their high-profile free agent signing. He wins defensive player of the week his first game. The tackles both start and play relatively good. Tariq Woolen, you pull out of the fifth round, and he looks like a stud. So it's a really promising start for a group that's really sucked at at player acquisition the last six or seven years. Uh, In fairness to Brian, he he ate his words a little bit in the uh, post-game. Oh, uh, did he? He did shout out. It was a little backhanded. He said that Barton was the best linebacker on the field, but that was in context of Brooks maybe not having his best game. But he did he did acknowledge it. So, uh, Dana, uh, we didn't get to talk to you in the post game. Uh, one of the players that we talked about a lot was one that Jeff just mentioned, uh, Tariq Woolen. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I was incredibly impressed. It wasn't the cleanest game by any stretch, but uh, his his ceiling looks sky high still. Uh, did you have any takeaways on Woolen's play? I loved it. I loved it. And what I loved, and this is how I knew I was going to be, that this kid was going to be good, was, yeah, he got burned by Judy on a touchdown. We know that, right? He didn't turn around. Instantly corrected it. Figured out in-game, a rookie in his first NFL game, corrected it the next time they did that exact same play and did not let him get past him. I loved it. I, I loved how aggressive he was. I wanted to tell him though, he, you know, every time they run defense, he's trying to pump up the crowd and he's jumping up around till the second the ball snapped. And I'm like, turn around and pay attention. Like I just wanted to be a mom and yell at him a little bit. But I just felt like, again, it felt like a Seahawks game. He was excited and he was doing his job. And this is week one. Think about how good he's going to be at week six. Do you know what I mean? I just think it's going to be fun to watch him develop. And, you know, I was impressed with Michael Jackson too. I thought he did. I mean, he was okay. He, I mean, he got a couple tackles like going, but to have that ball awareness to grab both of those balls that got coughed up, I thought that was great. Like he was on it instantly. Um, and so, yeah, the, the young guys really impressed me and I could go on for an hour about the rookie tackles. Oh my God. Loved every second of them. Um, but yeah, I was, 
I think Woolen is the player they were hyping him up to be in the preseason. Remember, we kind of were like, you need to back off on that a little bit. Nope, I think they were right. Uh, in fairness to Woolen, it was Kobe Bryant who gave up the touchdown. Woolen had a couple PIs, though. So, was yeah. Kobe Bryant? Yeah, yeah Kobe okay, was sorry. Kobe Bryant. Sorry, sorry. The I other, the other late round See, rookie that they drafted. <laughs> I was going to give him all the credit. It's totally fine. All right. So for this week, there are injuries to talk about. Um, let's start with the the bad one. Um, the The news about Adams is still pretty rough. I would say, um, you know, they haven't put him on IR. They haven't had him go get surgery yet. They haven't, it sounds like they haven't decided if he needs surgery. So you know, pure speculation, but it sounds like if you're trying to guess how severe this injury is, it sounds like it's not, at least not super severe. Um, I think there's probably still no indication that he gets back this season um, and probably should not come back this season. They should give him a full, you know, year to to rest up and get healthy. Um, but that means Josh Jones steps into the starting role. Ryan Neal uh, probably gets some snaps. Um, Evan, do you, you have any opinions on Jones or Neil? Uh, any concerns with them taking over for Jamal Adams? Um, no concerns, but I'm really excited to see Ryan Neal play more football. Every every opportunity that he's gotten, um, he's been he's been better than serviceable, and he makes plays. Um, I actually, I know they play. I know they have different sorts of games and play style. And I know, I know Jamal, how they use him is very strategic with rushing the passer and and it's unique. It's a unique sort of role for him, but I'm excited to see Ryan Neal play. And I think Pete said, was it today that Ryan was going to probably take more of those snaps over Josh Jones or, or did I mishear that? I didn't hear that. It was a little surprising that Jones was the one that stepped in and not Neal. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe with a week of practice or just based on what they think the Niners will do Neil will get a bigger role yeah I I I, the loss of Jamal Adams sucks but let me put it this way if they were playoff contenders this year if they were truly playoff contenders this year with him I don't know if they're not playoff contenders without him I know that's a little bit of a hedge but I, I have avoided talking about this too much because I'm pretty heartbroken for the guy I mean (laughs) uh Danny you're already laughing but um I mean it just sucks for him right I mean like he has been hampered by a ton of different injuries this one is extremely scary like there is a chance that this is career threatening um so that's when I say like the little bit of news that we have is positive not so much in a way that we think he'll get he'll probably get back this year Mm -hmm. but maybe that you know he can really hopefully this means he's going to be able to recover fully and everything my Um, understanding is this this injury is very rare is that correct what Pete said yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, but I mean, I to your point about them, like, you know, how much does it hurt the team? We've seen him miss a lot of time over the last few years, and it hasn't it hasn't torpedoed the defense. Let's let's put it that way. Um, Dana, do you expect Seattle to really miss Adams with while he's out? Um, I don't think we'll know right? Because we don't know how this defense was going to use him in, in the beginning when that, you know, when he was on the field, he was all over the place. He got to Russ, like he was, he looked great. And you could tell he was really um, an important part of that defense. So if it were last year, no, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. It didn't make much of a difference, but I don't know how they were going to use him this year. And could that have made an impact? But to Evan's point, this team is not winning the Super Bowl. This is not even probably a playoff team. So if he's going to get hurt, I would rather it was this year than next year with our rookie quarterback who might be really good. I know you guys think we might, but I'm just saying, let's be realistic. <laughs> I'm thinking that if it had, you know, unfortunately, because of the team situation, they can probably better absorb it because I don't know where they would have gone even if he had been there. But I, it sucks because I wanted to see how hurt was going to use him in this defense. And, and it the- just sucks for him. The good news is his his salary is fully guaranteed this year, so he get he sees every dime of it. Um, he's getting paid eighteen something this year. Mm-hmm. Next year is only a couple million injury guaranteed in, in base salary. Mm-hmm. So, um, like you said, it it's better for him to not that you're hoping for injury either way, but no. better that it happens this year. 
Yeah. yeah. I've gone kind of gone back and forth on this one. Like on one hand, Jamal, I don't know how many snaps he played in the game, but like he had, he had an 85 PFF grade. I don't know if he's had a game with Seattle. That's closer to how he was grading out with the Jets. So clearly he did look a little different, but on, and I was, was excited to see how they would utilize them. And really, I talked about this on our show Monday, and I think I tweeted this out to someone the other day. Like, really, the defense like does little a little concerning to me. There just isn't a lot of difference makers. There's a lot of solid to good players. There just isn't a lot of difference makers on their team. It really is a bigger organizational need if we wanted this team to get back to playoff, Super Bowl, whatever. They just need more difference makers. And Jamal is one of the few guys with that kind of talent. Alternatively. Having a traditional safety play instead of Jamal, to me, that's not a bad thing either. And if you can have more of a guy who can do your split safety looks and do the coverage, the whole is Jamal blitzing, is all that thing. Are we doing three safety looks? You can still do the three safety looks. And you remember when we beat the Niners last year, putting Ryan Neal on the field was a big part of that game plan where you can kind of confuse them and they confuse Lance. And you still have Jones and Neal who are competent players. So a more traditional strong safety against a different teams like to throw the ball downfield, I do think it's a good thing to have more of that on your team and not be wasting sort of Jamal taking him away from his strength, even though he, he's okay in coverage. So there's some positives, there's some negatives. It just, it kind of just sucks, but I don't think it changes much. This is, again, this is a development year and Jamal's career. It's like it's a total mystery right now. All right. Other injuries. Um, uh, Kittle. Uh Evan, going back to you, I think you've been following this one fairly close. Where is Kittle in his recovery? Yeah, so he did not practice today, last week. Kittle, uh, who is uh, maybe the best tight end in football. Uh, we don't absolutely. have Brian here, so we can talk yeah. him up. He's Evan, great. Evan, where does he rank in the NFC West right now in tight ends? Ooh, well, he'd be, I don't know if he'd make Seattle's roster, frankly. Um, not even a special team position. kind of guy. He's probably better than no offense. I don't know. I got to discount him with the haircut. Um, yeah, he, t- he gets knocked down a couple of for that. Um, but seriously, uh, no practice for George Kittle today. Not great. Um, it sounded like, uh, they were going to take it easy with him, uh, pregame last week and we're not going to risk anything. And then earlier this week, it sounded like Kyle Shanahan was more hopeful that he was going to get a practice in by Wednesday. And now we're sort of seeing through the grapevine with some of the more uh, plugged in 49ers reporters is that it would be quote unquote, a surprise if George Kittle played this weekend. And we know what the 49ers look like without George Kittle. Uh, He's a central focal point of their offense. He allows them to do things that they otherwise are unable to do. And it's a different football team without him, especially with a young rookie developing quarterback like Trey Lance. So I, I, I don't think it's um, unreasonable to say that he, he might be the difference between an, a, win, a win and a loss for the Niners on Sunday. I think he's that pivotal, um, but it's not looking good right now for him. So Elena in the chat um, <clears throat> is yelling miles adams over and over again i'm not, i'm not sure what the question is elena uh he was um inactive last week uh i don't believe i'm trying to pull up the uh injury report i, I don't believe he's on the injury report so for for anyone i think there's two people in the world who are thinking about miles adams and it's elena and griff uh and i think the easy answer is that he's you know the last defensive tackle on the depth chart um he he showed some promise in preseason against some backups but i, I don't know if uh he's someone that um we should be too worried about when he gets marked as an inactive um probably just a healthy scratch uh okay other injuries um uh okay good news good news on injuries now we have two good pieces of good news um <clears throat> Damian Lewis is back in a full participant participant in practice, uh, which is just amazing. It looked like his career, or not his career, his season was done. Um, and then even considering that it wasn't as bad as they thought, for him to get back that fast from an ankle sprain, which looked pretty bad, is um, just great. And then, uh, Dana, I know you're ecstatic about this one. Uh, there is a running back. Uh, they have another running back to add to the stable uh what is is kenneth walker going to run for 200 yards this week 400 yards no. this week what is he gonna no. do he's not gonna run for that much but okay. he's gonna run 
I'm just so excited to see him on the team. I'm excited. I really liked the way Penny played in this last game, even though we didn't have a ton of yardage. I think that Denver made the plan. It's like, oh, Pete only runs the ball because that's all he's been told. And so they really did a good job of stopping that run, although Penny did peel off a couple of nice runs. Um, I don't know that San Francisco is going to be any less stingy with the run. I think that it still could be kind of tough for them. But um, but I'm just excited to have the option. I'm excited to see you see him on the field and a man, if he just gets one big run, I'm going to be, I'm going to be excited. And the reason is, is that I really love the run game. And I know how much you do too, Nathan. I know how much you just love those running backs. But my whole point is I just want to see options and I want to see what they'll do with them. Do they have like, we, you know, they had all three tight ends on the field at one point, you know, a couple of times during the game, are they going to put all the running backs on the field? Like what, it's just going to be fun to see what he does, what he does with them. I will say, I think, I think Rashad Patterson, Rashad Patterson, oh boy, Rashad Penny mattered. I can't even get the words out. It's so hard. My brain doesn't (laughs) comprehend. I think Rashad Penny mattered in that game against Denver. I mean, last year, people got mad at me, but there were a lot of times where Rashad Penny was running through massive holes and he was doing some nice stuff in the open field, but he was, you know, getting 10, 15 yards downfield before he met a defender. That was not the case against the Broncos. He was getting hit, you know, at the line of scrimmage and sliding off tackles and making guys miss and then picking up, you know, six, seven, eight yards past that. So uh, well done, uh, Rashad Penny. Hopefully Walker can make me eat some words too. Uh, How did we not give Brian shit for Phil Haynes' performance on, on Monday night? We were too happy. Oh, my God. He, 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 killed, a couple, he, he <laughs> killed a couple of, of drives. I know there's one red zone opportunity where it ended up being the Jason Myers field goal. Um, I think he accounted for like, how many penalties did Seattle have on the night? It, I don't think it was many. He, he may have been like a third of them. <laughs> Just Phil Haynes. Lucas was the one that killed the big run though. Ah, uh, yes. That yeah, was Lucas that was, on that play. That was, that a, bummer. was a bummer. Um, okay. Any other injury news of note? I am looking at the injury. Oh, uh, Quandre Diggs did not practice. Yeah. And marked with knee. Uh, really it's Wednesday he's fine it's Wednesday I think they're giving him Wednesdays off because he still technically is rehabbing that that leg still some I wouldn't be too concerned about that I will say Gabe Jackson also did not practice but he got uh yeah yeah so he also and then slash knee so I don't know I I don't know how much to worry about those things but I guess uh we'll see tomorrow if he doesn't practice tomorrow that will be pretty concerning Mm -hmm. yeah uh any uh any thoughts on Quandre Diggs dropping the easiest pick of his life Dana he was more mad at himself than any of us could have been his tweet afterwards like I cannot believe I dropped that pass and it you know it's true it was it was right to him it was right there but he couldn't have run it back and so I was okay with it because I'm still waiting for that pick six and I really wanted it to be against Russ but you know what I'll, I'll take it against little little tiny Trey Lance that'll be fine with me he's not little or tiny yeah I know but that's say. in my mind he's a little kid so that's what I'm <laughs> that's where I keep him he's just like a on my kid. on my notes here I have Trey Lance and tackling to get to be one of the topics because <laughs> he is not he is not little at all uh <laughs> if anybody's uh, little it's Quandre Diggs that man, man's a little munchkin on the football field but he's fast and he's mean. He is. Love it. He's, a, he's a cute little football player. I don't know what I just said. Continue. <laughs> Patreon <laughs> questions. Let's get to <laughs> Patreon questions. Dana, save us. Save us. All right. Evan. I will save us. But I will, we got to talk about these Niners too, just a little bit. All right. So there's a ton of Patreon questions. People went all in today. You love it. Thank you guys so very much. Okay. I'm going to start at the top, which is for. Evan. Well, actually, it's a general question kind of about Evan. With the Seahawks win on Sunday, they'll be 2-0, and and the 49ers will be 0-2. How great is that going to be? Will we need to contact a doctor about Evan and a certain condition lasting more than four hours? Honestly, Evan, 2-0. You beat the Broncos. You beat the Niners. Come on. You lose on. your ever-loving mind. We're going on hour 72 right now, actually, from Monday night. So... <laughs> We, we surpassed the four hours a long time ago. Um, man, I, 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 the Niners are just the worst. Their fan base is just the worst. They're, 
I hate them so much. And to see that team start 0-2, they had, I mean, going into this season, they had legitimate, like, they believe Trey Lance was, you know, the second coming of Jesus, you know, the Messiah. They they traded three first-round picks, leveraged the entire farm for him. He has to pan out for them. Their franchise relies on it. They're dead in the water without him. And if they start this season 0-2, they're in big trouble. I think, um, I don't think it's insane to say that if they torpedo this season, there could be some conversations about Kyle Shanahan's job. There really could be like he's, he's several years into his tenure now and yeah, he's had some success, but not as much as I think ownership would, would hope for. And that uh, Trey Lance pick could, could be a large indictment on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch, you guys will probably hate me for this, but I watched a little bit of Grant Cohn's show before I came on here. I I'm so sorry. Have to, I have to cover the Niners too, right? Um, and so, and um, honestly, he said kind of the same thing that there that Kyle is going to have to kind of really hope this work year works out for him. So, that's paraphrasing, but that's about what he said. Okay. Um, let's see. This is for Jeff. Who would you take as your quarterback, Geno Smith or Trey Lance? <laughs> well, that's the, I take. I take Geno Smith. I don't like Trey Lance as a player. Um, and then this isn't just revisionist history. Like I remember a lot of people in the media and some of the people we love and cherish, there was this chatter about Trey Lance last year. Like they're going to have Debo and Kittle and Ayuka. They're going to have Kyle Shannon running. They're going to be these formations that no one's going to be able to stop. And I remember thinking, like I watched the guy play in the preseason and remember when things got really bad for Colin Kaepernick, like at the end, like in that Thanksgiving game, Nathan mentioned the other day, like where he, he can gun the ball in, but he couldn't really throw the ball with touch, which is a huge just part of being a quarterback. And Trey Lance is kind of like that. He doesn't strike me as like when Josh Allen was kind of all over the place, it was more accuracy issue. The thing about Lance is he just doesn't throw the ball very well. Like he can hit a deep ball. And but like if you ask him to throw like a precision pass, he just doesn't do that well. And to me, I wouldn't want a quarterback who's like that. And mm-hmm. someone will probably think this is absurd because Trey Lance went third overall and Geno's been a career backup. But it's more about Trey Lance. I just wouldn't – I don't like his game. And I don't like a quarterback that can't really throw a touch pass. To me, that's – look at all the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, you can use Lance as a weapon in the running game. I think Lance – I mean, like I said it right when I watched him play for the first time in the preseason. Right away, this guy can be a weapon in the running. But to me, the job of his quarterback, he's not very good at the primary job of being a quarterback. And to me, that would frighten me. Mm-hmm. Um, that question was from PCC3. The first question for Evan was from Silk. I forgot to say that. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, let's see. Nathan, did it look like the 49ers simplified their offense for Trey Lance? To you. Uh, I got to be honest. I did not watch the game close to Um, to say one way or the other I mean they are going to do obviously a lot of things different than what they did with Jimmy right and um, I wouldn't necessarily assume that uh, you know more designed runs and that kind of thing means they've simplified the offense I mean that's just playing into Lance's strength but um, I I don't know what I was gonna I was gonna chime on to what Jeff was saying Mm -hmm. you know it's way it's a way harder question than it should be uh and, and I've been really down on on Trey Lance but I think if there's one quarterback in the league that like could follow the Josh Allen uh development path like he does have all the tools and and he maybe is a more like talented runner or at least a faster runner yeah. than Allen so but the bad thing about Lance is like he's probably two years behind where Josh Allen was in his second year. Like even though Josh Allen was just playing in Wyoming, like Trey Lance has missed basically two years of football. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would guess that they simplified their offense. Like that's probably just natural, right? Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's really it's a uh, the whole Trey Lance thing is just fascinating. Yeah, and Lance, let's just to go up last game. He was a sub fifty percent passer. He was thirteen of twenty eight for 160 yards 28 passes for 160 yards like that's not very good there there wasn't anyone on the team that had only one player on the team and more than two catches so that's with Ayuk and Samuel and maybe that's the rainstorm but that's just not what the I know Dana it's just not mm-hmm. what their offenses look like so 
and their leading rusher last game, Elijah Mitchell got hurt, was Trey Lance with 13 carries. So, yeah, they, they're completely simplifying their offense. And I think it makes Shanahan uncomfortable. And they may need to simplify further because, like, Lance was under pressure way too much in that game. And not all of that is on the quarterback, but, you know, pressures and sacks are quarterback stats. And, you know, it did not look like he was super comfortable with where to go with the ball. I mean, you, can, you can't tell anything from broadcast about what's happening downfield. And maybe there just was nothing. But he was holding the ball for a long time, and that's not always a great sign. Yeah. All right. This question is from Brondi. Um, Evan, I'm going to give this to you. So what's the deal with Eskridge? Virtually non-existent on Monday night. Considering oh last year Waldron talked him up as a weapon, why do you think he was so invisible? Was it injury still or maybe a specific scheme for that game? If And if he's such a gadget player that he isn't seeing the field consistency, what makes that pick so much worse than it already was? It would make that pick so much worse. Yeah. I, I'm still shocked that Eskridge didn't have a bigger role in this game. I completely forgot about him. I was about to say, exactly. I completely forgot about him. Yeah. Like two, three oh my plays. God. That was it. Yeah. Um, do we know what his snap count was? Did, did we see how many snaps he took? Um, I can try and find it, but um, I mean, I need to see the snap count because like yeah, Tyler Locker, T- Lockett was invisible, not invisible, but he, he, was, he had a quiet game relatively speaking outside of that one catch. Um, but the, but the trajectory on the DS Gridge pick does not look positive. Um, I, I'm just embarrassed that I completely, completely <laughs> forgot that he played on Monday so night. Mm-hmm. So I guess that tells you everything you need to know. Is the most discouraging thing about him right now that he's not even returning kicks. Like, even if he's not a good receiver and like, he's just a gadget guy, like, you'd think they'd try to get him involved there where he can, you know, just do something with the ball in his hands. It's kind of surprising. I am still hopeful. I I still think you saw enough last year to be hopeful. And then you have a million excuses with all the injuries that maybe he'll, he'll come back around, but it's real dicey right now. Yeah. I, it's, I have zero feeling on the kid, like not positive, not negative. Right. It's bizarre, isn't it? It is bizarre. Um, All right. This can be for anyone who wants to take it. It's from Troy um, Fagan. I expect San Francisco D-line to have advantage over our O-line and the Seahawks um, linebacker group to be a weakness as well. What position group should the Seahawks have the advantage with? Jeff, do you have a thought? Quarterback. (laughs) Fair. Um, I think the Seahawks run. Running backs are far better. It's probably the least important position in terms of that. But Elijah Mitchell's out there going with Jeff Wilson and a couple of rookies. Um, mm-hmm. Their interior of their offensive line is very weak. And, mm-hmm. and Alex Mack retired. They, lost, they, they whiffed on a guard in the draft last year in the second round. I think it was Aaron Banks. And a lot of the talk around the Niners was obviously around Lance, but they're an offensive line. They have the best left tackle in the league, but the rest of their offensive line from guard to center is not very good. And Seattle's was outside uh, of those Haynes penalties, and they have Blue's potential coming back. They're, they're not great, but they're functional. And that's, that's a big part of the matchup that Seattle's going to have to win because, as Nathan said, they got a lot of pressure on Lance, and the Bears do not have exactly a game-wrecking defensive line. They had fifth-round rookies and guys like that, unheralded players really attacking them. So I think that's an area where Seattle's interior group, which Evans boy, uh, Quinn Jefferson had a really solid game. Uh, Shelby Harris, um, they have some good interior pressure guys. And that's an area where Seattle, their edge group is can still get a little better, but they can win there. Can I just follow up on the DS stuff real quick? Mm-hmm. So yeah. he played five snaps at receiver on Monday night. That was 9%. So that of- might've been a game plan thing. Yeah, Derek it's pop- Young got four though. That's the thing. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think they might have been just more reliant mm-hmm. on the tight end personnel. They had three tight end groups. They had there wasn't a lot of Marquis Goodwin either. That might uh, have been Goodwin. a matchup specific. Goodwin had 28 snaps at yeah. receiver, actually. Oh, so maybe I'm wrong. So maybe Goodwin's just ahead of Esprit right now. Uh something that the Seahawks have done forever is a couple times a game, they will throw out their bottom two receivers on the depth chart. Uh, as like the only receivers and run the ball like they've done that for a long time just to give their receivers a spell 
Uh, so I would not be surprised if a chunk of the snaps that Eskridge got were just those throwaway. Uh, we're not going to put DK and Tyler on the field this play. Weird. Well, I guess we'll see what he does, what they do with the next one, right? Because he eventually has to get on the field regular. Maybe not. I don't know. All right, Nathan, this one's for you. It's from Braxton. How concerned should we be about Daryl Taylor being a not a complete non-factor in Monday's game? I think we should be pretty concerned. Um, he needs to be more than flashes at this point. I mean, it's still just technically his second year, but like he is three years in the league. Um, and this year, you know, whether you think that they have a legitimate shot of winning four games or, you know, make the playoffs, it's all about young player development. Uh, and so for him to have just a nothing game like that is concerning. Like, I, I don't even remember pressures or like uh, he was pretty much a ghost um i haven't gone back to watch to see how much he was lining up against bowls versus the other side but their right tackle was the was a backup their their starter without um so again i don't know how much he was playing on which side but um yeah uh it, it was a bummer i was i was looking he's one of the guys that i'm really looking forward to watching this year and it was not a fun experience paying attention to him uh, on monday Agreed. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to shoot this one to you, Evan. PMM422 says, okay, now that Jamal Adams is likely out for the season, poor bastard he put in there, right? Um, who is our backup middle line barker? I don't know if he meant to put it, but I kind of like it. I'm going to call it that for now on. Um, are we going to roll with Nick Bloor or will we actually go in, look, go look for a free agent? Well, they didn't, they just uh, add somebody to the roster today. Was it, was it? Um... I think they promoted someone from the, practice squad oh yeah yeah and they signed uh inside linebacker from the bears it oh yeah oh, oh i didn't see that when did that I happen uh christian his name's christian jones he, he got added to the practice squad today he's, he's like a veteran inside linebacker he played with sean desai last year that yeah. Was Alabama. yeah i think he was alabama i was just gonna say the last time we saw nick bloor play linebacker in preseason it was, it was pretty ugly so right. I, I hope they look outside and it looks like they already are, but this is a position group we've been kind of complaining about for mm -hmm. the entire preseason and the entire off season. So this could get, it could get ugly. They don't have depth. None. Oh. All right. Roquan Smith, come on down. Oh my right. God. Oh God. My heaven. All right. So I'm going to take this last question, although I have a feeling Evan's going to jump in it's from Brondy. Could Jason Myers have made that 64 yard field goal? No, no, he could not have. It wouldn't have even gotten to the field goal. The answer is no. Am I right, Evan? I don't, I don't think he would have made that. Um, no. I think only one, I only think one kicker in the NFL makes that. And it's Justin Tucker probably. Um, mm -hmm. I do think Maybe. Justin Tucker makes that Nathan. I, I, yes. I do. Um, but Jason Myers, zero of zero, you know, errors for, for this year. He's been elite, perfect perfection, big reason they won on, on Monday night. And uh, I'm looking forward to that extension. Oh, vomit. You all just hate okay. me by now. You, you just know to completely <laughs> ignore my bullshit. <laughs> Jeff's just you like, know what? If, if he is just an average kicker this year, I will freaking take it. Right? Like, seriously, I'll take that over. I'm just impressed commitment to the bit for sure <laughs> i'll just say this i'll just say yeah. this when he gets extended oh boy because it's gonna happen it's gonna happen no. but you are not even i know you're gonna pretend like you like it but your stomach is gonna turn when you hear that i mean mm -hmm. it's gonna be like a couple we're talking like bottom actually he's top 10 Seattle Seahawks most like see look at you you right know now. how bad this is <laughs> I forgot about how bad this is he's like number nine yeah, or number ten I mean it's okay. just a, yeah whatever I mean I, guys yeah. I'm rooting for the fun right now okay I, I want fun right and and Jason for Myers sure. is fun so really is he now I don't know. He causes we'll chaos and I, uh, chaos is fun. <laughs> do you love chaos? That's fair, that's yeah. Fair. And apparently so does Seahawks social media because holy oh. crap, they brought it this week. Oh my God. And then today again, their the tagline on their Instagram picture was we love the chaos. So yeah, they, they did a good job this week. All right. That's it for Patreon. Okay. That means it's back to me, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
the Niners or the Seahawks have to play the Niners. Evan, you're checking your watch. You're about to fall asleep. So <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's get to predictions. Um, Jeff, since you look like you're not paying attention right now. I was looking. I just saw something on Twitter that everyone on NFL Network, except for Dan Jeremiah, picked the Niners. Yeah. That's and a Dan Jeremiah actually picked Seattle last week, too. He's... He is not a, a troll either. Like he he seems to try to take himself pretty seriously. So that's something. Yeah. Uh are you joining Daniel Jeremiah in picking the Seahawks over the Niners? We lost I love you. that. I love that still image. <laughs> I honestly think the, what about now? Uh the chat is, the chat is going off. Let's come back to you. Dana, are you joining Daniel Jeremiah and picking the Seahawks? I don't now I can't remember what I predicted in our prediction show, but I think I said they were gonna lose this game. Maybe I can't remember. I mean, you only picked them to win five, which is you know pretty, I know, I know pretty pessimistic. I know. If you I'm ask so me, pessimistic. But... Oh my god, I should just go home. Um, so I I'm a little more excited after seeing how bad the Niners played and how well the Seahawks played. Um, I think it's going to be super close. I think the scoreline is going to be very similar. I think it's going to be like 21-20 or 24-21, something right in there. Um, Do it. I don't know. God, yes, I'm going to do it on pick the Seahawks. Yeah. I don't know why. So what are but you going with? Win this game! Holy shit! I can't even. I'll lose it. Lose it if they win this game. Twenty-one twenty Seahawks. Is that what you're going with? What Twenty-one twenty Seahawks. Yes. Okay. For the record, everyone except Evan picked them to lose. Uh, <laughs> Evan, I assume you're still picking them to win. What's the score here? I'm going thirty-one to six Seahawks. <laughs> Complete and utter blowout. I think. I think Trey Lance falls on his face. It's raining. I think I think they're a bad football team without George Kittle. The only thing that would be better than them winning 31 to 6 is if Geno Smith throws for 190 yards again and they win 31 to 6. <laughs> I just we haven't had many Seahawks blowouts, you know, in terms of Pete Carroll football, but this could be one of them. It really could. From your mouth to the football god's ears. That would be hilarious. Oh my gosh. Who you got, Jeff? Are you gonna make it a are you going three of three? <laughs> like that really says it depends on Kittle. Am I gone again? No, you're not. You know, kind oh, of. Oh. oh, I don't know. My internet's been great tonight. I'm on the road, but um, yeah, I think Seattle, if Kittle doesn't play, has a very good chance to win the game. I initially picked San Francisco. Um, I thought the game would be much worse the first game for Seattle. I didn't think they'd come out with like that. So it might be tough to stay up for this kind of game. It's a short week. And San Francisco, there's a lot going on. But if Kittle does, I'm going to say this. If Kittle doesn't play, I'm going to change my pick to Seattle. If Kittle does play, I think San Francisco in a close game. Give us give us a score here. Well, let's just say, let's say Kittle plays. I'll say 23-17. Mm-hmm. I'm picking Seattle. Um, going against my earlier prediction, uh, I think it is going to be exceptionally stupid, and I don't know if I want to pick 10 to 9 or 14 13. Um, I'm going 10 9 Seahawks, uh, and yeah, I just hope all the Niners fan die, die a little bit inside. I thought you were going to end that sentence just after. Never mind. Continue. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just on the inside in their heart. I want them to die just a little bit watching that game. I want to see. Yeah. Just my favorite thing about that Monday night game, I think, was the nation is like everyone knows about primetime Seahawks game now. And even that they were bad, everyone tuned in. And I know that the wrestling was a big part of it, but. Like it, it, everyone knows that. Uh, who was it? Um, Roger, uh, Roger. Oh, I don't remember his name. Sherman, I think, um, had an awesome tweet about how like you should not allow a first-time head coach to 
to coach against the Seahawks. Like every hour of a Seahawks game is doing like psychic damage or something. I don't know. It was, uh, you simply cannot let someone coach their first NFL game against the Seahawks. It's too chaotic. The damage from even a single hour of the Seahawks exposure can warp an unready mind for the rest of their careers. That is so funny. I love it. it. Is, the perfect tweet it is the perfect uh summation of seahawks football and what we have and just to see the whole nation go through what we go through every game with these morons this big dumb football team of ours uh yeah i hope we do that to the niners it'd be amazing uh okay could there be though could there be a better second game honest to god i think that if they had played atlanta or the lions in their second game there's a very good chance for a let off but pete carroll loves to beat san francisco i swear he wears it like a badge on his shirt every day and so i think in order to keep that momentum up this is the perfect second game to keep that momentum going this is going to be the most chaotic seahawks football season we've had in probably franchise history i've i've fully <laughs> bought into this russell wilson was the last obstacle uh between pete carroll and fully exuding his chaotic energy self it's it's gonna be an insane year buckle in for it i'm in for it it's gonna he's gonna chaos energy us some wins and this is gonna be wild uh okay evan i know it's bedtime for you uh any last thoughts this is a this is a big year for Trey Lance. It's not even about the Seahawks. Like that's, this is a big year for that franchise, for the state of the division. The Cardinals are in a rut. They're looking like they're going to implode that, you know, that Kyler Murray or uh, that that Kyler contract looks disastrous from day one. Um, The Rams still, I think are a good football team, but man, this is a, this is a big week for the Niners. And I would love, I would, I, I would love to stomp on their throats, their hopes, their dreams, their passions in life. They're... <sighs> Let's just crush it. Let's crush them. I'm, I'm really hoping that happens. All right. On that note, hit the, the like button. Hit the subscribe button. We are here to wish ill will against all Niners fans all the time. So please come back. Watch us again. Uh, if you want to get into secret chat rooms, Slack chat rooms, and wish ill ill will and psychic damage on Niners fans, we have a Patreon for that. Uh, uh, and all of that money, we just funnel it right through to charity. So it's all for a good cause. So uh, yeah, do all of those things um, if, if, you, if you can do it with Patreon. Uh, it is a good time. So all right. Um, I'm not going to mess up like Russell almost did and accidentally try to say, let's ride to close this out. Uh, I am still a little scared and unsure about what exactly I do here at the end, but go Hawks.